We read the word of the Lord this morning in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35. The whole of this chapter will constitute the text for the sermon this morning. Jeremiah 35, the word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Maasiah, the son of Shelem, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups. And I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters." nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land, that we said, Come, and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans, and for fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwelt at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go, and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now, every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. 
that ye have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people hath not hearkened unto me. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according unto you all that he hath commanded you, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Thus far we read God's holy and an errant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, this evening, God willing, we will start again going through the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day after Lord's Day. The Heidelberg Catechism is to us a beloved document. It is a document treasured by those who know it, who have heard it preached and explained unto them. To those who understand that the theme of the Heidelberg Catechism is comfort, and who know that we all need that comfort that comes from God. The Catechism is thus of Great, a great treasure unto us. The Catechism has a long place in the Reformed tradition. Catechism was written in 1563 by Zacharias Ursinus and Caspar Olivianus. The Catechism quickly spread throughout the Nations of Europe, where the Reformed truth was being spread. It was officially adopted by the Synod of Dortrecht, 1618-1619, as part of the Reformed creeds, and has been a part of our official tradition since then. For over 450 years, this document has been an important part of who we are as churches. And yet important and significant though this document is to us, the Heidelberg Catechism remains just that, a document. It is a man-made confession of what we as churches believe. The Heidelberg Catechism was not given by inspiration of God. 
The Heidelberg Catechism was not given by direct revelation of God, but the Heidelberg Catechism was written through the sanctified understanding of God-fearing men as a summary of what they believe and of what we believe the Word of God teaches. And because it is a man-made document, the Heidelberg Catechism never may rise above the authority of the Word of God. But the Heidelberg Catechism has authority over us only insofar as the Heidelberg Catechism teaches and sets forth the truths that are found in the Word of God. And if ever there should be found a, an error in the Catechism, if ever there should be a found a place where the Heidelberg Catechism is in contradiction with the Word of God, then we must not cling to that simply because it is a time-tested and a beloved document by us, but then the Heidelberg Catechism would need to be modified or amended in an orderly way so that what the Catechism teaches is consistent with the Word of God. The only power that the Catechism has over us who subscribe to the three forms of unity is a power that is derived from the power of the Word of God. And so understanding then that the power, the authority of the catechism is a derived power, and understanding that the catechism is a man-made document, we do well to ask ourselves, why? Why do we preach through the Heidelberg Catechism year after year? We love it. It's dear to our hearts. But why? This morning we give a defense from the Word of God, of our clinging to the practice of preaching from the Heidelberg Catechism. We do so by looking at the Old Testament example of the Rechabites, the house of the Rechabites. First, this morning, we will consider their faithfulness. In this first point, we'll develop some of the history here of the Rechabites. And the second point then, their purpose. For what purpose does God include the account of the Rechabites in the Holy Scriptures? And then third, we'll consider the blessing that God gave to the Rechabites for their faithfulness. The house of the Rechabites, their faithfulness, their purpose, their blessing. Who are the Rechabites? Not a name that is familiar to most of us. The Rechabites, according to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 55, rather 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 2, verse 55, were associated with the Kenites. 
Kenites. The Kenites were a group of people who were different from the nation of Israel, but who were, became associated with the nation of Israel during their wilderness wanderings. And so the Rechabites, we understand, were not always a part of the covenant nation of Israel. But instead, they lived as their own unique identity, their own family. And then at some point during the wilderness wanderings, they joined with Moses and the rest of the nation of Israel. They then followed the nation of Israel through the wilderness and entered into the land of promise. The Word of God does not tell us that any particular land was given unto the Rechabites, for the land was divided up according to the twelve sons of Jacob. But although there was no particular place that was granted unto the Rechabites, yet the Rechabites were welcome to live with and among the Israelites. They They became a part of the covenant nation and the covenant family of God. Previously aliens, then adopted into the covenant. Regarding Jonadab, the text, Jeremiah 35, speaks frequently of Jonadab, or 6, but they said we will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, and so on. Who is this man, Jonadab? Jonadab evidently was the son of Rechab. And Jonadab was an influential and a powerful man. And the influence of Jonadab was such not only that he exerted great control or influence over his family, over his sons and his daughters, but the influence of Jonadab was such that he exerted influence upon the nation of Israel. We are informed that Jonadab was associated with Jehu, king of Israel. And so close was the bond between Jonadab and Jehu, king of Israel, that Jonadab served as a counselor unto Jehu, and that Jonadab was assistant unto Jehu in carrying out the orders of the king. And so there's Rechab, who is the father of this home, and then his son Jonadab, who is associated with Jehu, and who exercised great influence and control both over his family as well as over the nation of Israel. And so you can see that although the Rechabites started out distinct from the nation of Israel, yet they have in their generations become one with and a part of that covenant nation. Now where are we at? at the time of this text, when Jeremiah wrote. Jeremiah informs us that he wrote these words, verse 1, in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. And so what that tells us is that many years have passed since Jonadab 
walked upon this earth. The reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, was approximately 15 years before the city of Jerusalem would be taken captive by the Babylonians. Already the northern ten tribes, what's commonly called the nation of Israel, has been taken into captivity. It's just now the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, who have not yet been taken into captivity, but we are only 15 years away from the end of the covenant nation living in the land of Canaan. And so if we then calculate the time that passed between when Jehu was king, and remember Jehu was king at the time when Jonadab lived on this earth, and when Jehoiakim was king over Israel, or rather Judah, we may conclude that there are some 300 years that have passed between when Jonadab walked upon this earth and when Jeremiah the prophet addressed the house of the Rechabites. A considerable length of time. More time has passed since Jonadab has walked upon the face of this earth than what the United States has existed as a nation. But now what's unique about this family, the house of the Rechabites, were the rules that governed this family. And the text tells us about these rules. The text gives us these rules in verses 6 and verse 7. The rules themselves were straightforward. There basically were three rules. The first rule that was given unto the house of the Rechabites was that they were to abstain from drinking alcohol. Verse 6, For Jonadab our father commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. The second rule that was given unto the offspring of Jonadab was that they were to live a nomadic lifestyle. Verse 7, Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any, but all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Instead of settling down in a home, and instead of planting a garden or a vineyard outside of that home and gathering the fruit of that vineyard as nourishment for their earthly bodies, the command of God unto this family of the Rechabites was that they were to live as nomads, living in tents, wandering around from one place to another place. And then the third rule that comes out from these verses is this. They were to pass these rules on from one generation to the next generation. It wasn't just Jonadab who was to live as a nomad, or Jonadab and his own sons and daughters who were to abstain from alcohol and from building a home, but this was to continue unto all of the posterity that would come forth from 
his family. Verse 6 concludes, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. And so the fathers were to teach their sons of the rules that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, had given unto them, and, and the purpose for these rules. And then as those sons would grow up, they would live according to them, and they would teach the generation following them about what Jonadab, their father, had instructed them. Now, with regard to these rules, two things that stand out with regard to the rules. These rules did not come from God. God did not, by way of a prophet, come unto Jonadab and tell Jonadab, Jonadab, you must have these rules. God did not, by way of an angel, a messenger, reveal this commandment unto the house of the Rechabites. God did not, by way of direct revelation, even as He spoke to Moses through the burning bush, come and appear unto Jonadab to give these rules. Instead, these rules came from an earthly, albeit godly, man, Jonadab. The text is at pains to emphasize the fact that these rules came from the man, Jonadab. Several different occasions the text tells us this. Verse 6, they, these are the sons of Jonadab who are gathered in the temple with Jeremiah. They respond to Jeremiah, verse 6, saying, We will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us. Verse 10 repeats this. We have done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. Verse 16. Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. And so we may conclude that these rules that govern the house of Jonadab were not given by inspiration of God himself, but they were given according to the sanctified judgment of an earthly man named Jonadab. The second thing that stands out about these rules that Jonadab gave his family is this. These rules went beyond what God required in His Word to the nation of Israel. God had nowhere else in His Word through the prophets or anyone else commanded corporate Israel that they must abstain from drinking wine and that that they must abstain from building houses, from planting gardens and vineyards. It is true 
that there are examples that can be found in the Word of God where God does give a specific commandment to a specific individual to live that way. You might think, for example, of the Nazarites who were commanded not to drink wine. Or you might think of Father Abraham who dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, sojourning into that land of promise. It is true that there are examples that can be found where God commanded specific individuals to live without wine and without a home. But nowhere did God give unto the nation of Israel as a whole this commandment that they must not have wine and they must not build homes. And so these commandments that Jonadab gave to his sons were commandments that went beyond what God had required of His people in His revelation to them by the prophets. Now this is not to say that Jonadab in giving these commandments was contradicting the Word of God. There's a difference between going beyond what the Word of God requires of an individual and contradicting what God requires of an individual. Jonadab, in establishing these rules for the home, for his home, was in no way going against what God had said through the prophets. Jonadab was in no way requiring his offspring to sin against the Lord. But Jonadab was requiring of his children that they not only obey the commandments that God had given unto them through Moses, but that in addition to the Mosaic law, they also hold to these words that Jonadab gave them. Jonadab's purpose in giving these laws was not because he was a proud man, It was not because he felt that he had some insight that everybody else had missed out on. It's not because he felt that he and his offspring were better than the nation of Israel. But Jonadab gave these commandments to his offspring for the sake of their preservation in faithfulness unto God. Verse 7b, here's why, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. That was Jonadab's concern. He wanted his children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren and all generations that would follow him to dwell in the land of Canaan forever. And Jonadab understood that there were certain temptations that can come with living close to the things of this world. At the drinking of alcohol, that the building of a home and the establishment of gardens and vineyards, although it is not wrong in and of itself, and can be used by the child of God in a good and God-honoring way, yet living close to 
the things of the world and taking these things of the world into your own home and into your own family does present a temptation. And the temptation that it presents is that the child forgets about what Jehovah has done. That the child becomes enamored with things physical and with the things of this earth and sets their sight and their hopes and their dreams upon things carnal and things fleshly. And so Jonadab, understanding those temptations, wisely put these rules in place for his family so that they would be preserved in the land forever. The Word of God tells us that the children hearkened to the commandments of Jonadab. It's not the case that Jonadab put these rules in place and they lasted a generation or two and then were forgotten about. But for many, many years, the offspring of Jonadab, the house of the Rechabites, kept these commandments. Aspects of their faithfulness, consider how long they had been faithful. For some three hundred years, the house of the Rechabites wandered around the land of Canaan as nomads, abstaining from wine. Another aspect of their faithfulness, consider their conviction of this. Even under the pressure of the prophet Jeremiah, to come into the house of the Lord and to drink of the wine that Jeremiah set before them in cups, pouring from a pot this wine into the cups and setting it in front of them and encouraging them to drink. So convicted were the offspring of Jonadab that they refused and said no. We cannot do this. Consider the faithfulness of the offspring of Jonadab from this perspective. The rules that were given unto them required of them to go beyond what the Word of God had required of them. We might say that the rules of Jonadab were more difficult or more strenuous than what God had through Moses given unto His nation. John Kelvin, in his commentary on this, compares here the difficulty of what God required of the nation of Israel and what Jonadab required of his offspring and helps us see here how God, or rather how Jonadab had more stringent requirements for his offspring. Calvin writes, God, in his law to Israel, God acted equitably and did not press too much upon the Jews so as to make the rigor of the laws odious and wearisome, as then God used moderation in his law so as to require from the people nothing but what was easy to be borne. But in comparison, Jonadab was rigid and austere, for he forbade the use of wine 
and did not allow his posterity to cultivate fields nor to dwell in houses. How remarkable that they were faithful considering the difficulty of the commandment given them. And then a final aspect of their faithfulness. Observe with me that the house of the Rechabites kept the rules of their father as a unit, as a family. They kept these rules. The Word of God brings that out in the eighth verse. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters. It was not simply the case that there was a strong individual, a persuasive Perhaps an exceptionally godly individual who alone stood firm on what Father Jonadab had said, and that everybody rallied around that one strong individual. And because of that one individual, therefore the household of Jonadab was faithful to the rules that were given unto them. But the Word of God teaches that it was we, the husbands, and our wives and our sons, and our daughters. Indeed, if it had been up to just one individual, if the burden of carrying on the rules of Jonadab rested upon the shoulders of just one individual, or of just a few individuals, then there is no way that this tradition would have been passed on for 300 years. But the only way that the the household of Rechab was faithful to these rules of Jonadab was because collectively that family took it upon themselves both to understand, to live according to, and to teach to the generation following them the instruction of Father Jonadab. Had a lot of history here. What now is the purpose of God recording this history of the house of the Rechabites in Holy Scripture? We may speak of two different reasons why God has given this example unto us. The first is to commend the faithfulness of the Rechabites and to hold them forth as an example unto the church of all ages. It is clear that God's blessing rested upon the Rechabites for their faithfulness not only to the Word of God, but also to their faithfulness to the rules that Jonadab, their great-great-great-grandfather, had given them. We'll look more at what that blessing of God consisted of in the third point, but for now we note it was met with God's blessing. 
in spite of the fact that Jonadab had created extra rules, in fact, because of the fact that Jonadab had created extra rules, the citizens, the members of the house of Rechab were preserved in their fidelity unto God. Hundreds of years went by where the children kept these commandments. And instead of becoming caught up with the temptations of worldliness, which so easily creeps into the church of God, the nation of God, and the homes of God's people, the Rechabites were preserved in the faith. And so we do well then to learn from the example of the Rechabites. And this is not to encourage for one moment works righteousness. This is not to encourage one bit heaping up laws unto ourselves and thinking that by having law after law after law that somehow we are going to merit with God or satisfy the demands of God. But this is to recognize that there are times where sanctified wisdom calls for having laws that go beyond, albeit do not contradict, the word of the Lord. This happens in the home. As the father and mother rear up the generation that follows them, Father and mother are wise to have rules, specific application of the truths of God's word in their homes. They have rules with regard to internet usage. They have rules with regard to when you may use your cell phone, how much you may use your cell phone. They have rules about dating about when you are old enough to date, about what type of person you should be looking for as you seek a spouse. Rules. And as the children receive these rules from mom and dad, the children must not become angry that mom and dad have these rules in place must not imagine that mom and dad have these rules because they do not care about us, because they do not want our happiness or our enjoyment as children. The children must not view these rules as Kelvin described them as odious and as wearisome. But the children are to receive these rules that mom and dad have in the home as for their own spiritual good. And children, if you're like me, when I was younger, you might not understand how it's for your good. But then you trust that mom and dad are called by God Himself to be the heads over this home 
And someday you will understand why they have those rules. But then further, there is application, is there not, for the church. That there are times where the church is wise to have confessions and to have specific application of rules which, although not explicitly taught in God's Word, yet the underlying principle is found in the Word of God. And the church then gives expression to, this, to the application of those rules through the church order. The church order is a man-made document, but we mustn't reject the church order simply because it is a man-made document but understand and recognize the value of the church order as the church order sets forth certain rules to safeguard God's people from falling into certain temptations. And then not only the church order, but, beloved, also the three forms of unity, included among them the Heidelberg Catechism. That just as the Rechabites taught from one generation to the next generation what Father Jonadab had given them, so we, through the Heidelberg Catechism preaching, teach from one generation to the next generation what our spiritual fathers have given unto us. Arrogance says, I don't need it. I'm strong enough to stand on my own. I don't need the guidance of the Reformed or Presbyterian confessions. Pride puts a man on an island by himself where there he imagines of himself he can stand up against all of the assaults that the devil brings against the church of God. But humility of heart recognizes that there is a safeguard in clinging to these time-tested confessions that God has given unto the church. That in the first place is the purpose here to commend the faithfulness of the Rechabites and to learn from their example. But in the second place here, this chapter makes clear that we would be remiss if we stopped at that point and spoke only of the positive of the godliness and the faithfulness of the Rechabites. There's more here This text is a stern warning unto the nation of Israel and Judah now for not hearkening unto God's Word. God gave the example of the Rechabites in order to shame the rest of Judah for their willful sinfulness. There's a contrast 
that is drawn in this text here. And the contrast is in between the, the fidelity of the house of the Rechabites on the one hand and the wickedness and carnality of the citizens of the nation of Judah on the other hand. And so verse 13, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord? Observe the contrast between the house of Judah on the one hand and the house of the Rechabites on the other hand. And observe how much more was given unto the house of the nation of Judah. The nation of Judah had many prophets given unto them. Verse 15, I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets. In comparison, the house of Rechab had one man, Jonadab. The nation of Judah had prophets who presently were with them. Prophets who, such as Jeremiah, were faithfully bringing unto them the Word of God so that it wasn't as if the nation of Judah had to go look through some dusty old scroll in order to find what the Word of God was unto them. But there were prophets going in and out among them, bringing unto them the living Word of God. In comparison, it was 300 years ago since Jonadab had given his rules. Yet another comparison between the house, the nation of Judah, and the house of the Rechabites is the level of difficulty of keeping these commandments. We noted that before, that what Jonadab required of his offspring was more difficult abstaining from wine and from building a home than what was required of the nation of Judah. And so from an earthly point of view, it should have been easier for the Israelites and the people of Judah to remain faithful unto the Word of God than it was for those of the house of Rechah. Arguing from the lesser to the greater. If the lesser was given unto the house of Rechab, and the greater, the easier, was given unto the nation of Israel. If the Rechabites were faithful with the little that they had, how much more so should not have been the nation of Israel been faithful unto the Lord. God holds up the Rechabites as a light. And contrasted with the light of the Rechabites is the darkness of the infidelity of Israel. Because Israel and Judah refused to hearken unto the word of the Lord. God pronounced judgment on them. Verse 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. A warning for you and for me, beloved, that we must not confuse physical prosperity with spiritual blessings from God. The people of Israel were able to build their homes and have their vineyards and their gardens and drink their wine. But they came under God's judgment because they drifted and at times even stubbornly walked away from the commandments of the Lord. Having an abundance of physical possessions, having physical health, strength, wealth, power, does not equate with the spiritual blessings of the Lord. And yet there was a blessing, a blessing for Jonadab and for his household. Verse 19, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man, to stand before me forever. I suppose any number of objections could have been hurled at Jonadab and his household for why they were unworthy of receiving this blessing from the Lord. Someone could have hurled at him the accusation of works righteousness. Who do you think you are, Jonadab, to create all these rules. Somebody could have hurled at him the accusation of legalism. You're creating these rules that go beyond what is taught in the revelation of God. It could have been charged with being arrogant and with being proud. Who do you members of the house of Rechab think that you are? You have your own rules that are different from the rest of the nation of Israel. You get your noses up in the air, you stuffy, proud people. Any number of charges could have been brought against the house of Rechab for the traditions that they followed. But more important than the charges of men is the revealed word of God. And what was God's judgment on the house of Rechab? God said, verse 18, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he hath commanded you, therefore, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. And this promise that God gave 
through Jeremiah was a promise not without confirmation. But the book of Nehemiah, which records the history of the return of some of God's people from captivity to the promised land of Canaan, shows that God was faithful to His promise. Nehemiah 3, verse 14 speaks of a Melchiah, the son of Rehab. He was one of the returnees from captivity, restored by the grace of God unto that promised land of Canaan. And he was one of the important builders who reconstructed the gate that was part of the walls surrounding the city of Jerusalem. God kept in grace that word that there would never be lacking before him a man of the house of Rechab. And so it is our earnest petition this morning that even as God preserved the Rechabites, so may God preserve us in our generations. We mustn't, upon hearing the sermon this morning, think, well, we're pretty good because we're like the Rechabites. We're pretty good because we have our creeds and our confessions, and those creeds and confessions will safeguard us. Oh, beloved, we by nature are like Judah. We've been given so much, a rich heritage that God has given unto us. And yet, what do we so easily do with this precious heritage that God has given to us? We forget about it. We don't live out of it. We have the truths on paper, and yet, sometimes we live our lives no differently than the people of the world live our lives. No different than dead orthodoxy. Where one has all the right confessions and the right words to say, but they don't live out of that living word of truth. And so we confess our sin of taking for granted the truth that God has given unto us. We pray that God graciously deal with us according to the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, who went and died that accursed death in order that we might live. And having His Spirit dwelling within us, then the earnest desire of the Christian is to live according to the Word of God. And so we give thanksgiving unto God that He has given unto us the creeds and the confessions. And that insofar as these creeds and confessions faithfully expound unto us and set forth what the Word of God teaches, we love these confessions. They live in our hearts and in our souls. As we will hear, God willing, this evening, here's the wonderful truth 
that my only comfort in life and in death is that I belong unto Jesus Christ. We do not have pride and arrogance in holding to these creeds and confessions. We do not hold these creeds and confessions up as an excuse for us to distance ourselves from others in some sort of ecclesiastical arrogance as if we can look down upon everybody else who doesn't have these creeds and confessions. No, that is not why we hold to these creeds. We hold to these creeds and these confessions in order that we might give them to the generation following us. Nehemiah, or rather, as the sons of Jonadab said, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. And so as we start the preaching of the Heidelberg Catechism again, may God give unto us a love for an appreciation of the truths confessed by His church. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for the godly example of the Rechabites. And we pray, wilt Thou work in us that we might be students of and submit unto the truths of Thy Word, even as those truths are given expression in the creeds of Thy churches. Guard us from all pride. Work in us a godly sorrow that we might have a contrite heart for the sins which we have committed against Thee. Forgive even the sins of this worship service. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.